to another edition of Welcome to the Mad Max Minute, where even when unconscious, Max still draws a crowd in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 50. That's 5-0, not 15, 50. Which begins with Mr. Skyfish suggesting that Max has burned out, and it ends with Screwloose retreating to his grotto. Emerging from their grotto to join us again are John and Jeb from the Toy Story Minute podcast. Yeah, that's Howdy. Yep, I live in a grotto, a yeah. grim grotto. That's book 11 of a series of unfortunate events. Boom. Yeah. Ooh, nice I, reference. That has nothing to do with the minute. But mm, I, that, yeah, I was going to say yeah. reference meaning that they both have the word grotto in it. Boom. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Screwloose Grotto would be a good like name for a, a, a hangout Like spot. a bar. Yeah. 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 I'd go to a bar called Screwloose Grotto. Grotto. Yeah. Like it's a little bit divey, but like in a nice way. Yeah. And like the cool way. Yeah. And like a chill way. Yeah. Yeah. As far as references go, that was a pretty deep cut, but it was the first one of the episode. And as we all know, the first cut is the deepest. So true. But that's beside the point. <laughs> Because we are joining in minute 50, starting with Max just lying where we left him last minute, surrounded by kids. And there is some chatter going on between Mr. Skyfish and Gecko, Mm -hmm. where Mr. Skyfish is convinced that because it's such a arduous journey between wherever Max came from and here, that Max is probably just burnt out well he got attacked by those turbulence Mm -hmm. yeah he's a little tired yeah he's a little tuckered out Aw. Yeah. He's sweepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> nap. Mm-hmm. I like that he brought up the idea of being burned out. I don't think he meant it this way. I think he meant it in more of a literal being burned by the sun kind of way. Oh. Ah. But the idea of being burned out by a stressful lifestyle, whether it be as a doctor or a nurse or sitting in front of a computer all day or constantly fighting for your life... These things, over time, they get to you and you burn out from them. I always, when I heard the word burnout, I think of like a, a like burnout. a druggy. Yeah, like a burnout. Yeah, yeah. like as a, a click kind of thing. Like a, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just, I don't think that's what they meant either. No. And I think that can also apply because the idea of like a druggy burnout is someone who's been using too much mm-hmm. and is overwhelmed burnt by out. their lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the first symptoms of being burned out is exhaustion, which is what we're seeing here. Max, yes, he's severely dehydrated. He's also tired. He is sleeping to recuperate from being so dehydrated. And so I think the idea of being burned out fits. Well, yeah, he just went through the best scene of the movie. So I don't get to see it, Jeb. So I don't. I'll never get to see it now. Because <laughs> you're banned from watching this yeah, movie? Yeah, after... Yeah, after we're done with this uh, recording session, I'm not allowed to watch any more Mad Max related yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Jeb, coming fresh to this 
section of the movie. What do you think of this environment that we find ourselves in? Reminds me a lot of the uh, Lost Boys. I was going to say Rufio. Very Mm Neverland-ish. And Gecko kind of seems kind of Rufio-ish to me. Yeah, they have the whole like kind of uh, layered treetop kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's a really cool spot. And like, again, like the fact that they're all like just a bunch of kids. A bunch of kids makes it even that much more impressive. But yeah, it's definitely definitely has a Lost Boy feel. That's one of the major reasons why for our weekend show, we're covering Hook five minutes at a time. Ah. Nice. The waiting ones are kind of a gender inclusive mm-hmm. version of the Lost it's just Boys. Like the Boy Scout got rid of boys. It's just the Lost now. Just the Scouts. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> just the Scouts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They are the Lost. Sad. <laughs> this area, this set... It's not a set. It's an actual place. It is a physical area that you can visit, and it's called the Mermaid's Cave Recreation Reserve. It's located along Mega Long Road in Blackheath, New South Wales. Now, before I go too far, I know what you're thinking. The road is called Mega Long Road. How long is it? Well, don't worry. I measured it. (laughs) It's 21.1 kilometers or 13.11 miles. That's not that long. So you could run a half marathon on Mega Long Road. Yeah, that's not that long. It's not. I was expecting a longer road for Mega Long Road. Yeah, that's that's my favorite Foo Fighters song. <laughs> <laughs> We're from the backwoods of New England. Our long roads are like 50 miles, 75 miles. Our roads are long. Yeah. Well, it's a road named after a valley. Oh, the valley. Oh, the valley is Mega Long. Is the valley Mega Long? I did not measure Mega Long Valley. Not dedicated. But I assume that it's long to the point that they would call it mega long. Okay. Yeah. Our Australian listeners will come in and correct us because I can trust them to do so. Mm -hmm. Anyway, if you want to visit Mermaid's Cave, I jumped on Google Maps and I found some direction. It's only about a six minute drive from the train station in Blackheath. So let's say you take the train into Blackheath, you get a rental car, you head south on the Great Western Highway, A32 towards Bandara Street, and then you take a right onto Bandara, take the first left onto State. Street. The next right will be Shipley Road. You'll want to turn there and then follow Shipley Road for about 800 meters until you see the sign that says Megalong Valley and Walks. Oh, I went 900 meters. Oh, God, I have to turn around. <laughs> yeah, you got to turn around at that point. If you go past the brown sign, you've gone too far. <laughs> you take a left at the brown sign and then you follow the road down into the valley. Now, at this point, Google Maps more or less gives up, stopped being really specific. So I had to switch over to MadMaxMovies.com and they pick up where Google Maps drops off. You go a couple kilometers down and then you'll come to a sweeping right hand bend. And on the right hand side of that right hand bend, you'll see an open area where you can park. And then opposite that parking area, you'll see a metal signpost and a track leading leading down into the bush or woods as we call them. From there, it's only a short walk down to Mermaid's Cave and you go through these giant clefts in the rock and then you just pop in there and you see all the natural rock formations and there are steps cut into the rock and you can get a really good sense of where everything was located just by being in that spot. Like people do it all the time. You, you said there was like steps uh, cut into it. Was this a place that was like, uh, were there people here like way, way long ago? Is this like an old uh, like settlement or an old like like pre-colonized like aboriginal place or or, or what because this is like a really cool formation and uh, i'm wondering how much of this was like man-made uh 
you know, as far as the, the going and touring it, you know? You know, if I was a better host, I would have researched that further, but I didn't. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I didn't anything. As far as I know, it's a natural formation and just the fact that people have been around there for so long that these natural steps just formed. Yeah, that makes sense. But the important thing is that you can go check it out if you get the yen to do so. Yeah, or the dollars that you can convert to yen, the national uh, currency of <laughs> Australia. <laughs> no, yen, yen is a no, I know. different country. I know. <laughs> it's in yen, right? Yes. Dollars? Yeah. <laughs> Toy Story 2. Yes. There that you go. A That's the right Toy there. Story tie-in that I was looking yeah. for. <laughs> <laughs> That's in Japan. <laughs> I really like uh, the idea that Max is, or Walker, I should say, is using sonic bonic signals. Mm-hmm. They're above him. Yeah, they're going into the record. That's yeah. how it works, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like that ESP. It's neat. ESP, yeah. yeah. Yes, he has ESP and he has, five. Yeah, Mr. Skyfish, as we said, he thinks that Max has burned out, but Gecko is a bit more positive with the situation. He thinks maybe he's just listening, and so Skyfish tries talking to him, mm-hmm. and then Gecko gets the bright idea: maybe Max is talking, but we're just not hearing it. And so Skyfish is like, "What are you talking about? His lips aren't moving." And it's like, "Oh, Mr. Skyfish, there are so many more ways he could be using the Sonic." Duh. <laughs> Yeah, the hedgehog. It's like he's never seen an episode of Doctor Who before. <laughs> he's doing a spin dash. You guys are saying that this these peop, these kids are all so smart for uh, creating this whole society, but like he didn't even know Mister Skyfish didn't even like know what Gecko was talking about. So, well, Gecko's the smart kid, I think. Yeah, clearly Mister Skyfish is not. Well, Skyfish is smart in other ways. Gecko, he knows the motions and he kind of knows the words, but nothing's actually working. Yeah. It's not like he actually has a radio. He's kind of like the religious leader or traditional kind of guy, you oh, know? I was going to say he's more like kind of like a tryhard. A tryhard. Like, he dresses <laughs> up like. A good yeah, dresses up like wears like the but radio and the record. But yeah, like he dresses up like he's really smart and knows what he's doing, but he's just actually very dumb and he's just kind of faking it. The key is that these are all children and none of them know what they're doing. So to (laughs) them, he seems real smart. Yeah, because they don't know any better. He probably thinks he's real smart. Right. Yeah. Mr. Skyfish, however, completely disagrees. He does not think that Gecko is smart. He does not think that this whole Sonic thing is legit. Sonic Bonic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> is that the equivalent to saying like sonic schmonic uh, yeah i think so probably yeah i would yeah that's how i kind of took it yeah. yeah that's that's what it is in my like mocking your official yeah yeah dentist schmentist sonic schmonic dentist crentist yes <laughs> Nice, nice office work. Thank you. So speaking of Mr. Skyfish, Mr. Skyfish is played by Mark Spain. I tried looking up a bunch of information about Mark Spain, but all I got were results for guys named Mark living in Spain. From Spain. Yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) So it was very frustrating. Yeah, Mm -hmm. sounds like a difficult one. But at least I got some info from IMDb. Mark Spain was born in 1971, making him 13 years old during the filming of Beyond Thunderdome. Spain got his first role in 1977 as the character R.T. Wilson on The Restless Years. It's a role that got him a Logie Award for Best Performance as a Juvenile from TV Week magazine. That doesn't sound like something I would want to win. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like something you win in a spitting contest. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure the Logies are the Australian equivalent of the Emmys. 
here in the U.S. Yeah, that, like they're specifically yeah. awarded to television people. That sounds There's exactly a big like what night. I know of Australian slang. That yeah, would I was be... gonna say that's consistent. Yeah, <laughs> I got a really good Logie here for winning <laughs> a thing. I can't do an Australian accent, guys. Sorry, I can mm, do a little yeah. bit of a New Zealand accent, but I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> so apparently, there is one overall Logie award, which is the Golden Logie, and then I think all of the other Logies are Silver Logies. Kind of like a step down from the overall one. So there's no bronze Logie, though. Yeah, I don't think so. They hmm. beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy just to be nominated, guys. Mark Spain appeared on eight episodes of the TV show A Country Practice between 1983 and 1985. But after that, he more or less stopped acting until he turned up in a 2004 short called Giant Monster Trashes City. Was he the city or was he the monster or was he the trash? <laughs> oh my god. I'm assuming there are three characters and those are the characters. He actually played an environmentalist in that one. It was a little short production, so he must have been the kind of person saying, hey, don't kill the monster even though the monster is trashing the city because I'm an environmentalist and I don't think that giant monsters should be stopped. <laughs> oh, you, you think there was a monster that trashes a city in that, in that movie? Yeah. Well, it's called That's Giant Monster like Trashes City. Like actively oh, trashes. Oh, so you think yeah. the giant monster trashes the city? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you said giant monster gets trashed in the city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Say so that's a different show. Like, yeah, altogether. just let him yeah. let him live his natural life. Yeah. I mean, because he's a regular sized monster trashing the city, right? Right. Right. That's what the movie's about, right? A regular, maybe even like a smaller monster that's trashing the city. Oh, I, no. That 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 makes too much sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what's called, right? Mm -hmm. Regular tiny monster trashes the city. Mm. Three years after that short, Mark Spain turned up in the, I guess, intro video portion to another television show called the Schlocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Spain and Nikki Vukas are two people in the opener of the show just running around the city carrying a casket. So they are both labeled as grave robbers. But then when the show actually starts, there is a talking skeleton character named Nigel Honeybone. And he introduces the movie that they're going to be watching that night. And then they just show the old movie, like black and white horror movie. And then at the end, Nigel comes back and talks more about the show. And then that's it. It's kind of like a Elvira or Crypt Keeper type show. Yeah, I was going to say Crypt Keeper kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Except instead of being hosted by a person, it's hosted by a skeleton. A skeleton. Well, the Crypt Keeper is kind of half skeleton, half person-ish. Ish. He's dead, right? Is he supposed to be dead? He's supposed to be a ghoul. Is Crypt Keeper technically? Yeah. Is, is a ghoul technically an undead, though? Oh, he's definitely an undead. Yeah. Okay. I need to brush up on my... Uh... Necronomicon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know exactly. My fancy necromancy. Anyway, so that's Mr. Skyfish. Um, is he, is he the one who's talking about the Delta Fox X-ray? Or is that someone else? So, that's Gecko. Yeah. So Gecko okay. ignores what Mr. Skyfish has to say about Sonic Bonnie stuff. And so he starts, I guess, pretending to talk on the radio. But for him, it's real. 
Anna Goena takes his staff and starts spinning the vinyl record and Gecko starts saying, this is Delta Fox X-Ray, can you hear me? And he just keeps, he keeps calling Delta Fox X-Ray, come in, is anybody out there? Can you read me, Walker? He's just trying to get some sort of response from Max. It's a shame that Anna Goanna uh, spins the record when she's lost the uh, the lost art of bopping it, twisting it, and pulling it. Uh, so all she can do is spin it. Spin it. <laughs> I thought you were going to go like spin a record like a DJ and she can't do any of that sweet like scratches scratching turntable stuff yeah dj anna goanna dj anna goanna i mean that's not a bad dj name no yeah it sounds like something if somebody told me like hey have you heard this sweet new dj she's playing at the screwless grotto yeah she's (laughs) yeah dj anna goanna's playing at the screwless grotto so you down and be like yeah let's go yeah i'm pretty sure all of these waiting ones would make good dj names like DJ Savannah sounds all right, yeah. but, but DJ Mr. Skyfish, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And Savannah's last name is Nick, so DJ Savannah Nick's sounds better. Yeah. Yeah. These are, these are all be good, either like stage names, DJ names, or like, yeah. Finn McCoo. Finn McCoo sounds like a band name. It does. While we're on the subject of the names, I have a question about their names. Now, I know that we talked about. Uh, last episode, the relationship that Finn McCoo is Savannah's son. So the younger ones, I think, are the newly born generation, probably born in the crack in the earth. But the older ones, like Gecko and Anna Goanna and Screw Loose, they're old enough that they probably were actually on the flight that crashed. Yeah, they're like they teenagers. They had names, normal everyday names, like Savannah. What happened to those names? They seem to have renamed themselves. Are you implying maybe, that Screw Loose wasn't his real name? I think maybe that um, Savannah, because she seems like the oldest one of them, right? She does, yes. Especially since we decided she's like like 25, like mid-20s. Yeah. yeah. I think she was the one who was old enough to remember like her name and stuff, and the rest were like little kids. Yeah, I think Savannah and Slake were probably on the plane when it crashed, but I feel like you reach a certain point and... I feel like a lot of these kids, if they are five, six years younger than Savannah, then they were probably born in the crack in the earth from the adults that were in that the are crash gone. that left to go find help. Yeah. Or some of them were like young enough that young enough that they like forgot their names or that they like decided to rename themselves because they were just kids, you know, like mm-hmm. Savannah goes up to a kid and is like, hey, what's your name? I'm Savannah. They're like, um, I... Um, and then he's like three, so I'm, he's like, I don't like my name anymore. I'm um, going to be Screwless. Yeah. Screwless. Yeah. Yeah, but you know how kids like to talk to you like that. That yeah. reminds me of the skier, the Olympic skier named Peekaboo Street. Her parents didn't name her until she was old enough to name herself, and she named herself Peekaboo Street. <laughs> See? That's that's the case that's against what happens. letting your kid name themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Their name is Peekaboo or Screwloose. Yeah, Gecko is okay. We're gonna wait a little longer to name you because you're naming yourself. Yeah, because you are not stupid name. (laughs) Yeah, we're gonna wait till those are not real names. Yeah, Yeah. Gecko. When your choice is SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah, right. You could you could get away with naming your kid Gecko though. I feel. Yeah. Yeah, that feels almost like a football nickname. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Frank Zappa named his kids Moon Unit and Dweezil. So yeah. 
you could do worse. So the big question is, do we consider Savannah to be a first generation wastelander like the rest of the adults or because she is the child of adults when the world ended, is she a second generation wastelander? I assumed that the plane crash was because of the uh of of the apocalypse. Like it happened around the time of like the nuclear war and all that. Yeah. So I would assume that it was like during. It's pronounced nuclear. Where did we get the information that this plane load of people was trying to leave the city because they didn't want to be in the city in the time of apocalypse? It's not this next week, but it's the week after. Oh, okay. So we get it from the movie. Exactly. That they were running away from the apocalypse. Yeah. Trying to go somewhere safe when the plane crashed. Yeah. So she was definitely born before it. And maybe some of the older kids were as well. But she was also young because it's been roughly 15 years since the second movie. And before the second movie is when all the bombs dropped. Between the first movie and the second movie is when the bombs dropped. How would you compare Savannah's age to Sprague's age? Oh, the little kid from the first one? The little kid from the first movie. I'd say maybe around the same age, right? Yeah. Totally. I would think that, yeah. If the bombing happened, like, not that long before the second one, and she could, if we assume she's like, in her early 20s then uh and the bomb and the last movie happened 15 years ago then she would have been like seven or eight then and so the, the bombing itself probably happened when she was like four or five yeah so that's old enough to like remember your name and be like cogent enough to like kind of help this little kid society start which that's still really surprising that they were able to like make this whole society out of that when the oldest kids are were there older kids who died you think or left well, there were adults, like their parents and the rest of the people who were on the plane were there with them. I think they helped them start this society, but then they left to uh, find help mm-hmm. oh, and they never yeah, came yeah, back. I forgot about that. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's ugh. this is depressing, guys. Well, it is the apocalypse. <laughs> um, it turns out the apocalypse is a bummer. Yeah. We never get depressing <laughs> on Toy Story. Man. No, not at all. <laughs> right. That movie's never sad. Right. <laughs> It's <laughs> an awful sad week or anything. All right. So Gecko's calling the Delta Fox X-ray. He is using the NATO phonetic alphabet mm-hmm. to try and contact Max DFX. while he is sleeping. I tried to find some sort of relevance to the call sign Delta Fox X-ray, but the internet was not helpful. Hmm. Yeah, I, I couldn't find anything either when I tried to Google it because I was like, is this a thing? Is there something about Mad Max on it? And all I could find was quotes of him saying that. I looked up the alphabet. <laughs> I am familiar with the alphabet, but I couldn't remember what the name for G was. And I was so hoping that it was Gecko. Isn't it Gamma? I was so hoping that Gecko had named himself after the phonetic alphabet, but it's not. G is golf. Oh. Oh. Golf or golf? Golf as in the golf ball. Okay. Okay. As in the golf ball? That must ball have been the, the Scottish <laughs> contribution. <laughs> Because it's the NATO phonetic alphabet, yeah. so everyone yeah. get to submit their things. And Scotland's right. like, golf! Golf! <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. We got to give one to Scotland. They can have G. Mm-hmm. You can have one, Scotland. Golf! <laughs> okay, we didn't even say which ones were free. Actually, we were using G. Golf! Okay, fine. <laughs> Whatever. You know what? We're going to golf. <laughs> we're going to go with golf. I tried to look up the history of the NATO phonetic alphabet, but all of the sources I found got really complicated really fast. Like, they went from casual explanation of the history to suddenly long parentheses sections of really complicated explanation, and it was 
very strange. We spend about two thirds of this minute just on this one shot of Gecko and Mr. Skyfish and Max and all of them gathered around and we're doing like kind of a slow zoom out and right around the 42nd mark we cut high above the assembled children Mm -hmm. we can see a lot more of them and there is a another waiting one child peering out over the edge and this is our first look at a kid named screw loose the one that we've had so much fun talking about <laughs> His grotto. grotto and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But he is more or less our own proto war boy. There's a lot of people online that love to talk about, oh, he's painted up just like a war boy from Fury Road. He, he must be related to that somehow. Blah, 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 blah. And they go hog wild for it. Mm-hmm. They, they get a screw loose about it. Right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that wasn't funny, Jeb. I was about to say, did you like my forced laughter? Yes. Yeah, it's very good. <laughs> no, Screw Loose isn't a name you pick for yourself. That had to have been given to him by the others. Yeah. A yeah. bullying name, yeah. Which, yeah, that's not very nice. Unless he's like one of those, like, he's like trying to intimidate you. He's like, I'm crazy. Don't mess with he's me. He's being edgy. I got a Screw Loose. <laughs> he's edgy. <laughs> yeah. He picks up a fire poker and smashes a face and he's like, you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. I got a Screw Loose. <laughs> uh, that references. Far too late for the Batman and 89 boys. Hmm? Probably should have pulled that one out when they were on here, but oh well. We'll survive. Yeah, we'll survive. So, Jeb. Yeah. What did you think of Screw Loose? He seems kind of like he's, is he, bro- I don't know, he seems kind of broody. Yeah, he's that moody boy. Yeah, he seems more moody than like a war boy or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Kind of doesn't get along with the other kids. Off by himself. Kind of like he's reclusive yeah, yeah a recluse the mad max wikia has a page about Screwloose, and they describe him thusly they say Screwloose is a reclusive member of the lost tribe a young adult identified by his dark eyeshadow he is apparently mute and hmm. often absorbed in thought but also attentive to natural signs hmm. natural signs like the bugs bunny yeah right exactly his makeup to me is another very aboriginal thing i don't know if you've ever seen like pictures of aboriginal people with like they're like kind of uh i mean i don't know which specific aboriginal tribes i'm not an aborigine myself i'm not australian mate but uh it's another thing that kind of invokes it just just as like an aesthetic kind of thing like having that kind of like makeup all over Mm -hmm. all over yourself like they do a lot of the white makeup Mm mm-hmm which is why, like, one of the reasons I was like, oh, this is very, especially since these movies are, you know, about Australia, take place in Australia, a very uh, Australian thing. I almost look at it like he's obsessed with the idea of death because he seems to be painted up like a skeleton. Oh, he's definitely a goth kid. And his little grotto is filled with bones. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a goth kid. Look at the bones. You know, famous goth. <laughs> yeah, um a- Famous goth kid, uh, Bugs Bunny, is very into that. Well, yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> Bugs Bunny is huge in the goth community, I heard. <laughs> yeah, they love him. I was going to make a joke about Hot Topic, but he's obviously been shopping at the Warner Brothers gift shop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he goes to the Warner Brothers store, or the, oh, that used to be a thing in malls, back when malls were a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're kind of still a thing. Yeah, but there were when malls were a bigger thing. There was a it wasn't a Disney store. It was something adjacent to that that had a uh, Looney Tunes stuff. I think it was just the Warner Brothers store. Yeah, I was gonna say I didn't know the name of it. I think it is just that man. 
I just got a flood of memories back about that. I don't know what suburban utopias you all grew up in, but I've never even heard of a Warner Brothers store. Well, there was one in the Tucson Mall in the late 90s, so... Uh, I don't know about that either. Well, you weren't in a Tucson Mall in the late 90s then. I wasn't, you're right. Does Connecticut even have shopping malls? I mean... Yes, I grew up at the Crystal Mall. <laughs> okay. That was my I mean... mall. Okay. So... <laughs> and your point. <laughs> yeah, but like not even an hour down the road, we've got the Burlington Mall, which as everybody knows, was the mall that they filmed Paul Blart Mall Cop in. I didn't know that. <laughs> well, yeah. Did you ever go there as a kid? Yes. You know what really disappoints me is that Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 doesn't have a mall in it. I've only seen Paul Blart Mall Cop 2, not Paul Blart Mall Cop. So to me, it's a not very mall-ish movie. It's not a mall-centric movie. Yeah. Like mall rats. I never saw number two. Me neither. I hear it could be described as number two. I did too. Yeah. That's <laughs> why I never went to see it. Uh, at the risk of being a guy who plugs podcasts that he's not involved in at all. Uh, there's a podcast called Tell Death Do Us Bart that is a yearly podcast that is supposed to last forever, where every year the McElroy brothers of Mabim Bam fame and the people who do um, the worst idea of all time, uh, they come every year and watch Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 and talk about it every Thanksgiving. Huh. Uh, huh. And they've done, I think, it for three years. So they've released one episode a year? Yes. And uh, none of them have seen the first Paul Blart Mall Cop. Hmm. But they uh, they get really interested in what is not a very good movie, but is a very... Uh, interesting? Interesting movie. Yes. Basically. Huh. Yeah. It's quite the concept. What a concept. That's Sorry. quite the release schedule. Yeah. Once a year. It's a good uh, listen, and it means that I get to watch Paul Blart Mall Cop about once a year <laughs> or pull up mall cop 2 i'm sorry yeah okay yeah. right uh there's there's some real weird elements of the film that are fun once uh you've listened to three whole podcast episodes about it it's kind of uh the even more uh maddening maxing version of the movies by minutes where you just watch the whole movie a bunch <laughs> <laughs> That's what uh, The Worst Idea of All Time is about. They watched, uh, what movie was it? It was one of the Sex in the City movies, wasn't it? Their second season they watched- There's more than one Sex in the City movie? Uh, Their second season they watched uh, Sex in the City 2 every week or whatever. And the first one they watched- What was it? Grown Ups 2. That's what it was. Ah. So they watched- Oh, come on! What? What's wrong? That's just, these, okay, first of all, why do people (laughs) keep picking the sequels? You gotta start with the original. No, that's the reason, is because it's all, it's not just that this is a bad (sighs) movie, it's a bad movie with no context. Okay. Oh, they're currently watching We Are Your Friends 52 times. I've never heard of that. Yeah, me neither. I like the idea of watching the same movie over and over and trying to have a different conversation about it every week. Oh, last year, uh, one of the people on that show watched uh, Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 synced up with Dark Side of the Moon by Fink Wow. <laughs> wow. And they talk about like which moments did you actually find a little funny? 
And uh, how is like how is this one really weird scene of a mall cop hitting on a woman really awkward now that we've entered the Me Too age and it's kind of really creepy that he does this. It's uh it's very interesting. I imagine yeah. so. Here your friend stars Zac Efron. Oh, Zephron. Cool. And Wes Bentley. That's not a name. Yeah, it is. Wes Bentley. Okay. Wes Bentley. Yeah. You know the the the, the broody angsty teen. Across oh, you the mean street. Screw Loose? <laughs> He's the angsty <laughs> teen. No. Speaking of Mad Max, guys. No. <laughs> right? The guy who sells uh, seashells by the seashell. Kevin Spacey weed in American Beauty. I, I, I'm not, I don't, I, I haven't, don't, yeah, I don't. I mean, I know, I mean, I know, yeah, but. I haven't seen that film. You haven't? No. Oh, it's a good. Jeb, you've never even seen Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. You can't judge me. I guess that's fair. <laughs> Caught between a forbidden romance and the expectations of his friends, aspiring DJ Cole Carter attempts to find the path in life that leads to fame and fortune. That sounds dumb. That's We Are Friends. Yeah, that sounds really dumb. Yeah. That doesn't sound like a good DJ name at all. It's Zac Efron being a DJ, so like, how believable could it really be? There are a million yeah, that's, better that's DJ names point. in this minute, so, you know. <laughs> DJ Anna Goanna. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Fox X-Ray. Yeah. Yeah. DJ Colin. Delta Fox X-Ray would make a pretty good club name. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Like, hey, where are you guys going? Oh, we're going down to Delta Fox X-Ray. Oh, After they sweet, close dude. up, we're going to get a late night drink at the Screwloose Grotto. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of clubs and music, I really like how the Walker chant, the Walker, goes with the music in this minute. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really cool because they're kind of doing a, ah, uh, ah. Uh, well, the music kind of goes up slowly. It's a really interesting, uh, like, dynamic. You think they did it on purpose? Yeah. <laughs> nope. I think they just made this movie just thinking, whatever, we'll just throw it all together. And they went, like, oh, it actually went really well. I just think they did a good job. So. Yeah, I had a hard time deciphering what was them chanting and what was the soundtrack the score it yeah you're right it meshed together really nice yeah if there's one thing that these kids like doing it's chanting the word walker <laughs> there's a lot of chanting in this movie jeb you really missed out on that there's a trimax store that's uh chants texas and then another one that says ranger oh my god <laughs> <laughs> On that note, anyway, I think it's a good time to wrap for today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. We'll put a pin in this nonsense and come back on Friday because Max is going to get moved from this location into a hut where Savannah is going to give him an absolutely fierce makeover. It is fierce. And then after napping for a while, Max is finally going to wake up, although it's far from what I would call a polite awakening. Yeah, that's, so. that's One might even say it's rude. Oh. Yeah. Whoa. Hey, I just came up with a new... I came up with a new phrase, rude awakening. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Well, let's see. Here you go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, that'll be Friday. The Mad Max Minute Podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. 
Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. And our outro music is We Don't Need Another Hero by MilitiaVox of MilitiaVox.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for Mad Max Minute, and join our Facebook listener group, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com where you can check out our Tee Public storefront by clicking the store link join our Patreon by clicking the support link, or make a one-time donation by clicking the donate link. Thank you for joining us for Minute 50 of Beyond Thunderdome. See you next time. Over!